opening service. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 264. Page 264, Kneel at the Cross. We'll sing all three verses to begin our service tonight. Kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there. Come while he waits for you. Listen to his voice, leave with him your care, and begin life anew. Kneel at the cross, leave every care. Kneel at the cross, Jesus will meet you there. Kneel at the cross. There is room for all who would His glory share. Bliss there awaits, harm can ne'er befall those who are anchored there. Kneel at the cross, leave every care. Kneel at the cross, Jesus will meet you there. Kneel at the cross. Give your idols up. Look unto realms above. Turn not away to life's sparkling cup. Trust only in his love. Kneel at the cross. Leave every care. Kneel at the cross, Jesus will meet you there. Amen. Well, it's been a great day in the Lord's house, hasn't it? Good to see each one of you back here uh, in the Lord's house tonight. But that's Brother Joe Quinlan. Would you open us in prayer tonight, please? Amen. Let's remain standing and turn to page 316. Page number 316, The Haven of Rest. Again, we'll sing all three verses tonight. Page 316. Sing it out on that first verse now. My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea. So burdened with sin and distress Till I heard a sweet voice Saying, make me your choice And I entered the haven of rest I've anchored my soul In the haven of rest I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. I yield in myself to his tender embrace and faith taking hold of the word my fetters fell off and i anchored my soul the haven of rest is my lord i've anchored my soul in the haven of rest i'll sail the wide seas no more the tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep in jesus i'm safe evermore the song of my soul since the lord made me whole has been the old story so blessed of Jesus who'll save whosoever will have 
a home in the haven of rest. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that promise tonight? Safe in the arms of our Lord if you know him as your Savior. Amen. It's been a great day today. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us in store uh, tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Ethan Whitney, would you pray for the offering tonight, please? Amen. You may be seated tonight. Let's uh, go ahead and turn to page 377. Stand one last time together. Page 377. Set my soul afire, Lord. Our should be our prayer every day that God would set us on fire for the souls of this world. Page 377. We'll sing all three verses together tonight. <clears throat> sing it out on that first verse. Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word. Burn it deep within me, let thy voice be heard. Millions grope in darkness in this day and hour. I will be a witness, fill me with thy power. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Set my soul afire, Lord, for the lost in sin. Give to me a passion as I seek to win. Help me not to falter. Never let me fail. Fill me with thy spirit. Let thy will prevail. Set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Set my soul afire, Lord, in my daily life. Far too long I've wandered in this day of strife. Nothing else will matter but to live for Thee. 
I will be a witness for Christ lives in me. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Amen. Great singing tonight. You may be seated. Just before Brother Rocky Harrell comes to preach, we're going to have a special from Brother Gary Waters. I cannot tell why he, the King of Heaven, should leave the peace of all eternity. Why God himself should lay aside his splendor to leave the Father's sight and come to me. But this I know, our silence filled with singing, and all our darkness fled from heaven's light. When Christ the Lord saw him and yet so holy, in love was born a child for me that holy night. I cannot tell why he, the joy of heaven, should give himself to suffer for my sin. Why holy God should love me in my shamefulness. Why he should die to draw my soul to him. But this I know, that Christ the Lord is risen, and praise his name, he's risen now in me. Because he lives, I'll rise to life eternal. He took my guilty heart, and I'm forever free. I cannot tell when he will rule the nations, when he will claim his loved ones as his own. And who can tell that holy jubilation when all his children gather round his throne? But this I know, all flesh will see his glory, and skies will burst as all creation sings. The sun will rise on one eternal morning, when Christ the Savior of the world is Lord and King. The sun will rise on one eternal morning when Christ the Savior of the world is Lord and King. Well, that was good. Thank you, Brother Gary. That's a blessing. And I'm thankful that one of these days, uh, that's a good scripture song right there, because he is going to rule and reign over the world one of these days. And you know, here's the greatest thing about that. Everybody's going to believe like I believe one of these days. So narrow-minded. Well, Jesus was. Everything he believed, I believe. I'm trying to believe. This church believes. Everybody's going to believe like we believe one of these days. It'll just be too late for some. Can I tell you, it has been a joy uh, for me and my wife to be here today. And I haven't preached, just holidays, things like that just comes about. But 
I'll tell you, I just, there was tremendous liberty to preach this morning. And uh, I didn't even ask. I didn't even ask what time I was supposed to be done. I just preached and we got done when we did. I don't try to ever make it extra long or extra short. I don't try to do that, but thank you so much. Wonderful, wonderful spirit here today. It was a blessing uh, just to be able to preach and, and be in your pastor's place. And I know you love your pastor. And I'm thankful he's been here five years. And God is using him in a great way here. And uh, we need, I, I want you to listen to me. I know you know that. We need more men like Pastor Stewart. Okay, we, we don't need, uh, I, wish, I wish I could say, boy, the majority of the preachers there are like him. They're not. They're not, but I'm thankful for him. And he's a man of the word, he's a man of conviction, and I appreciate that so very much. And you are blessed to have him as your pastor. So I think you know that, but sometimes the church just kind of gets used to it. And, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you, doesn't matter where, but I can tell you, I was part of a church one time that they had a man of God that preached the word of God, and the next pastor didn't. And uh, it was horrible. It was. So thank God for your pastor. And how's the best way you can do that? This is not in preaching. I'm just, I don't know, feel like I need to say this. Pray for him. Holding up, pray for him. Because he's got a big bullseye on him. And uh, so you pray for your pastor and you support him. And I know God will continue, continue to bless your church. So again, thank you so much for being here tonight. I know you could have been anywhere else. But hey, this, this beats the best jail and the best hospital in this area, being in church tonight. So one more thing, I'll preach. I'll just tell you as a pastor, Sunday night, my favorite, favorite service. Amen. Favorite service. And I, I tell people all the time, we'll cancel Sunday morning before we'll ever cancel Sunday night. Because we can get rid of Sunday night. But I'm sure you're aware that even in this area, there are people not having church tonight. And uh, what, a, what a shame. But I'm glad you're here tonight. Take your Bible and turn with me. To Psalm 19. Psalm 19 tonight. And uh, when you find your place, if you'll stand with me and honor the Word of God, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm only going to read what I'm going to preach tonight. There are, uh, there's more than enough that I can say tonight, even in this time. And so I, I love this. This is a Psalm of David. And, but I'm going to focus on verse number seven to the end of the Psalm here. So look with me if you would. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord, watch this, are true and righteous altogether. Mercy, that's good. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Father, I want to come to you again. I want to tell you I love you. I want to thank you that we have the privilege to be able to assemble here tonight with the Faith Baptist Church. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd bless the declaration and the preaching of your word tonight. I pray the Holy Spirit of God would fill me and speak through me. And I pray the things that, that we're going to look at tonight in this psalm, I pray it would be an encouragement. I pray it'd be a help to your people. But Lord, it, it's possible that it could be a rebuke to someone tonight. And so however you want to use it tonight, would you take your word and would you apply it to every individual life in this room tonight? And Lord, help me to say only what you want me to say. I pray that everything that's said and done would be for your honor and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God tonight. So... Just bear with me for just a few moments, if you would. 
So we as believers, Bible-believing Baptists, we are committed to the Bible as the inspired, infallible, inerrant, and preserved Word of God. We are, all right? And Scripture is the standard by which we measure all other claims. Everything out here, everything we do has to go back to the Bible. So if that is the case, and it certainly is the case, then the Bible ought to shape what we believe from start to finish. That's what it ought to do. And I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just, I'm going somewhere with this, so hang with me. It ought to govern how we behave. The Word of God ought to say, all right, this is in the Word of God. I'm supposed to live this way. It should frame our entire perspective of our life. Everything about us ought to go back to the Word of God. I, I'm getting some amens, and I'm not pushing amen buttons, but I'm just, I want you to think with me, but that's not how it is at most of Christendom. I would, I'm going to take that a little bit. Now, the Christians, everything names the name of Christ. Well, let's just zero that down. That's not even how it is amongst most Baptists. Well, hang on here. There's a lot of Baptists out there, but let's just keep going. That's not even how it is among a lot of independent Baptists. It, it's not. And, and why is that? Well, I think there's a reason, and, and, this, and, this, and this is what we're going to preach about tonight. There are many people tonight that believe, yeah, the Bible is God's word, and yes, it's all these other things you said here. But here's the problem, Harold. It's not modern enough, it's not sophisticated enough to equip people to live in the 21st century. Now, I know, I'm, I know where I'm preaching tonight, but I'm just telling you, that's out there. And it's out there with the people that we call independent Baptists tonight in our world. So I, when I was a pastor, I used to get these things. I'm sure your pastor does too across his desk. And they were from the church growth gurus. And somebody says, who is that? Well, they're telling you what you have to do if you want to build a church, if you want to, if you want to get a crowd in. And, and they will say something like this. You're going to have to look beyond the Bible... You're going to have to look to secular, uh, secular books if you want to successfully have a New Testament church. Now, I'm not here. Please listen. Please listen. I am not here to cast rocks. I'm not here to throw stones. But I'm here to tell you there are a lot of people looking at John Maxwell instead of the Bible. And I'm not saying you can't learn things from him. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying primarily we ought to be going to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is what everything that ought to shape our thinking. So let me just keep going here. Psychologists claim that the Bible, well, that, that Bible is really too simplistic to help people with their complex emotional and psychological issues. But I'm here to tell you, David went through a lot of psychological issues in the Psalms. And I think he has pretty much, he can say some things that maybe help us in that. And so in every realm of Christendom today, and even amongst Baptist people in our day and time, here's what's happening. The Bible is being set aside for novel philosophies and scientific theories that people have come up with, and experimental behavior out here, and counseling techniques, and political correctness, God help us, in our churches, and other similar fads of modern opinion, because that's what it's it's going to take to reach people with this generation. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you were to look at current trends out here in churches, you would, you would absolutely think that churches are being run according to opinion polls and not the Word of God. And that's not a matter of, uh, that's not a matter of Rocky Harrell's, all you got to do is just look. Look, if you, and I'm not, I'm not saying do this, but I'm just telling you, I, I don't like to do this, but I've gotten, you need to go look at so-and-so service and see what they're doing. And so-and-so is somebody that I knew in another lifetime, means a long time ago, that was taught everything that I taught them in Baptist history and Baptist distinctives. And now they're out here doing something Looney Tune that they didn't learn at Heartland. And if it was just one or two, but one or two's too many. One's too many. But I'm just saying to you, there are people doing things, and I'm saying, you know, you didn't get that out of the Bible. You didn't find that in the Word of God. And so, here's, here's what we're going to preach about tonight. I love this. The sufficiency of Scripture. Amen. The Scripture 
is sufficient for everything that you need in your individual life. And I'm going to submit to you tonight that the average church out here, and let's just talk about the average Baptist church in our society, they do not believe that the Bible is capable of helping people out here in this 21st century in which we live. And the sufficiency of Scripture is under attack in many places today. Now, you may say, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, let me give you an illustration to here, and it'll help. Many churches supplement <laughs> biblical preaching and teaching with entertainments. Well, I'm telling you. I know of one church where I used to pastor. It was an independent Baptist church. I'm not saying it was our flavor, but it was an independent Baptist church. And they got rid of their manly pulpit and got a round table. Didn't look like a pulpit. And I asked somebody, I said, well, why did, why did they do that? Because the pulpit is too offensive to people. You want to change the cross too? Make it more palatable to people? Because the Bible says that's an offense. And so because we don't think preaching and teaching is going to work anymore, now we have to go out here, we have to go out here to secular sources to try to build our church. Now this is old. I don't even know what's doing anymore. When I was pastoring, this stuff was big stuff. But I'm going to tell you, this is a big deal. I remember an independent Baptist church did this. You ready for this? They went out and they got the Andy Griffith Bible study. <laughs> Somebody said, what's that? Well, you get the DVDs. You go and you watch Barney and Andy, and then you watch that 25 minutes, and you sit around and you talk about the biblical truths that were in that episode. <laughs> no, you're laughing, but their churches were doing this stuff. But if, hey, if that didn't suit your fancy, there was the Beverly Hillbillies Bible study. And there was the Bonanza Bible study. And, just, and I love Lucy Bible study. Now, what is that? That's people going out here in the secular world, and they're getting secular material, and they're going to bring it to their church, and we're going to watch this video, and now we're going to see what biblical principles we can learn from it. Hey, why didn't you just get a Bible and preach it or teach it? Because that's where the power is at. It's not Barney and Andy. <laughs> And I don't have an axe to grind with him in my living room, okay? But I'm telling you, they don't have a place in a church. And, and somebody says, what is that? That's simply people saying, we don't think the Word of God is enough to do what we need it to do anymore. And listen, and the reason that churches do this and other things is because they simply believe the preaching and the teaching and the applying, the applying of the Word of God alone, it is not sufficient for meeting people's needs today. Just doesn't work. So, listen to this. They insist that in today's media-driven, visually-oriented culture, then you've got to augment the message of the Word of God, the music, the dramas, the comedy. So now, therefore, listen to me, people are bringing in music from the world into their church. Why do they do that? Because that's what people want. There was an old preacher many years ago. He's been dead for many years. And he was, he was from the old school. The old school. He was, but I knew him, he was in his 80s. And I ran into him one day. Sort of got this letter from these new guys out here. How to reach people. How are you going to reach people uh, with the gospel? He said, I wrote him back a letter. said, stick their feet in the fires of hell for a couple weeks. That ought to reach them. That's old school. Oh, we just can't do that anymore. I'll tell you, I still believe the power, the, the word of God, preach the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I still believe God does what he wants to through that. Because I believe that the power is in the word of God. Because that's what's going to change someone's life. Now don't turn because I'm, I'm going to preach out of Psalm 19. But I want you to listen to this verse. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 8, just listen to this. Paul said, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency. That's what the Word of God says. 
in all things may abound to every good work. So for anyone to claim that human philosophy must augment the simple truths of the Word of God or that the Scripture simply cannot deal with where people are at in this 21st century, can I tell you they're calling Paul a liar. And they're saying, oh, Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. But I want to say this. Listen to this. Oh, let me just hammer this here for a second. To even suggest that the Word of God alone is insufficient is to espouse the very opinion that lies at the heart of every cult that pretends to be Christian. So, the Bible plus something else. That's what cults believe. You need a Bible, but you also need the pearl of great price. Or keys to science and health. You need something else. Now, question. A little sarcasm coming here, so hang with me. Question. How did Jesus deal with Satan in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 when the devil came up and tried to tempt him in three legitimate temptations? How did, this, how did Jesus deal with him? Well, let's see. Let me get my Dale Carnegie book here on how to win friends and influence people. No, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And the devil left him for a season, according to Luke chapter 4. How did Jesus deal with that? The word of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, if he dealt with the devil that way, don't you think you and I should deal that way? I think we ought to know more about the Bible than we do anything else. All right, so listen to this. In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, you know what Jesus said? Listen to this, Luke 11, 28. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. So all spiritual sufficiency is bound up in hearing and obeying the Word of God. Obedience to God's Word opens the door to a life that is accompanied by peace and joy and meaning and value and life and fulfillment. And I'm here to tell you if you're saved tonight, the Word of God is what's going to help you get through the trials of life. It is sufficient. So the Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, it's a sword. Uh, In fact, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 calls it a sword. So once you get this, there is no spiritual weapon for the believer that is superior to the Word of God. There's nothing else superior to it. Why is that? Because it can go deeper And it can cut cleaner and truer than any other resource that you might turn to. The Word of God. All right? So we're in Psalm 19. I love Psalm 19. I wish I had time. I wish I had two hours, but, you know, I I, I have a five-hour trip back home, and I don't have time to preach it all. I'd love to. So the first six verses here deals with general revelation. Sometimes we refer to it as natural generation, a gener, uh, natural revelation. Say it right. So general revelation or natural revelation, the heavens declare the glory of God. So please, this, all that means is simply this. There's enough you go outside and look up, uh, look up at the outer space and you can know somebody made that. And it didn't come from billions and billions of years ago with tiny amoebas. That didn't come from that. There's the heavens declare the glory of God. And listen to me. I don't have time to preach this, but I'm going to mention it. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, all men have this light. Now how you respond to that light is going to determine if you get more light. Now you let that sink in upstairs and think about that. But I'm just telling you, everybody's got light. Sun signs on everybody on this planet, all right? That's what he's talking about. But the last half, look at this. The last half is talking about the Word of God. I would call that special revelation. And let me make sure I say this. I I forget to say this. General, natural revelation can tell you there's a God, but it can't tell you how to get saved. I love going to Colorado. If I could live anywhere I wanted to live, I got a mountain peak I'd like to live under. If it didn't have anything to do with the will of God, but it's not the will of God. (laughs) But I'm telling you, when you go to Colorado and look at those mountains, I'm telling you, you can say, man, look what God did. But it can't tell you how to get saved. Can't tell you to repent. How are we going to know that? Well, it's going to come back to the Bible. 
the word of God. And I really believe that's what the point of this psalm is, is the superiority of special revelation, the written word of God. And so we're going to notice this here tonight, and they just have two simple truths. I say simple truths. I think they're pretty simple. I'm pretty simple-minded, so it makes simple-minded truths here in my mind. But I want you to notice these because it has everything to do with you and, and my and our relationship to the word of God. All right? So I want you to notice this, uh, verses 7 through 9. I want you to notice this. I want you to notice that David, under divine inspiration, talks about the spiritual virtue of the Word of God. The spiritual virtue of the Word of God. Well, let's just notice it here. Look at verse number 7. He said, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The word law there is the Hebrew word for Torah, which means divine teaching. We talk about the first five books of the Bible being the law, but in the scripture, listen to this, God dispenses true doctrine to humanity concerning what we are to believe. Oh, why do you know what to believe? Read your Bible. What kind of a character that we ought to have and cultivate in our life? Well, what kind of a character should I cultivate in my life? Look in the Bible. It's right there in the Word of God. How we ought to live. How am I supposed to live my life? Get you a Bible and figure it out. It's not too hard. If you, if you can read, you can figure out, God likes this, God doesn't like this. God doesn't want me to kill. He doesn't want me to commit adultery. He doesn't want me to steal. He doesn't want me to take God's name in vain. You can understand that. That's not hard Here's the problem. People know what the Bible says. I don't want to live that way. I'll live how I want to live. I want to do what I want to do. All right? Notice this. That law is perfect, which simply means this. It is whole. It is complete. It is sufficient to meet any needs you have in your life. And I'm telling you, it is perfect in contrast to the imperfect, flawed reasonings of humanity which are a lot. There are many of those in our society. Listen, Scripture covers everything. And it lacks nothing. In fact, the Bible says here, it converts the soul. Scripture is so comprehensive, ladies and gentlemen, that it can transform the entire person by, listen, by giving them salvation. You know how I got saved? I heard the Word of God. And I repented and received Jesus Christ, my personal Savior. I was seven years old, but I got saved. Does everybody listen to this? I got saved. And how'd you do that? It came by the Word of God. Notice this. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Testimony is God's written Word. It's a witness to the truth. I mean, go, I don't have this written down. It's not a suggestion. It's what God said. And in the Bible, God gives testimony to who he is and what he requires. I don't know who God is. Hang on, hang on. Oh, mercy. In Acts chapter number 9, Paul's going up to Damascus. I believe he's going up there to kill Christians and persecute the church. And he meets Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. You know what the first question he says? Who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. I'm here to tell you, anybody that's looking for Jesus can find him. Because he's looking for you. And he was looking for you before you were looking for him. Amen. He's looking for everybody. Because he doesn't just select a few people here and there. He selects everybody. Everybody, whosoever will, may come, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm telling you, you want to know who God is? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. No, you're not going to read the Bible and figure out God because God is far superior to you and me. But everything I need to know, everything God wants me to know about who he is and what he requires is found in the word of God. Look at this. That testimony of the Lord, it is sure in contrast to the unsure, insecure, wavering, shifting, unreliable notions of men and women out here in our society. I got something that's sure. Can I just tell you this? When the Bible says something and puts a period there, believe it. Yeah. Brother Rocky, are there things in that Bible you don't understand? Uh-huh. Yeah, right. yeah, there are. But I'll tell you this. Let me just go out here and say this. There's, there's no mistakes in this book here. And don't you read anybody because I've got the books and they say, you know what this is here? This is a scribal error. No, it's not. 
There are no scribal errors in our Bible. I'm telling you, I've got the pure, perfect Word of God, and it is sure, and you can stake your family on it. You can stake your Christianity on it. It's the Word of God. It's sure. That's what the book says. How can it do that? It's sufficient. I think we started out with that word there in that first part of verse number seven when we use the word perfect. Oh, absolutely. Now look at this. It makes wise the simple. You know what a simple person is? In the, a simple person is one who is like an open door. What does that mean? They don't know what to screen out. Hey, folk, you may work with people. They really think we were, came from monkeys and amoebas and all that kind of stuff. They believe... They believe. <laughs> I'm not trying to be political, but they believe everything that Fauci said. They believe everything the news media tells them, spoon feeds them. They believe all that. You know what's going on? Read the Bible. I'm telling you, sometimes it's like reading the Bible. I mean, reading the Bible said, yep, yep, uh-huh, yep, I see that. Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, there is, <laughs> there is no United States in the Bible. But there is an Israel. There is a Russia. Oh, I'm just telling you, you better hang on to your Bible because it will make you, it will, it will help you. It'll make you wise if you're simple. It'll help you to be everything you need to be in your life. And a simple person is someone that's very naive. They're unlearned. They're inexperienced. They're undiscerning. But when you take the word of God in and you read it and you obey it and you apply it, I'll tell you what, you're a wise person. I'm telling you, I got, I started to preach. Let's see, it'll be 40, 42 years ago this summer, I started to preach. And I remember the first time I read through my Bible as a teenager. I thought, man, I never heard about this, a talking donkey. Man, that's pretty neat. I'd never read that before. But I'm telling you, any, listen to me, any Bible knowledge that Rocky Harrell has, it doesn't come because he's got some great memory no, I'll tell you, anything I know about the Bible comes because I read it. And read it, 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 read it, and still haven't got the bottom of it. If I could live to be as old as Methuselah, I'd never get the bottom of it. Because I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's a supernatural book. But it will make you wise. Notice this, the statutes of the Lord, they are right. Rejoicing the heart. Listen to this. Statutes are divine principles and guidelines for you and me to fulfill. They are right, which simply means they are correct. And people, people who follow the word of God, listen, they are not left to wander around out here in the fog of human opinion. I don't have human opinion. I've got divine authority found in the word of God because, ladies and gentlemen, it's right. I don't think I'm right. I know I'm right because I got the Bible. You seem awful sure of yourself. No, I'm pretty sure of God and his word. And I'm just saying what God said. Right. Listen to this. You know what right is? Straight. As opposed to being crooked. And it's linked to the idea of righteousness. And the result of applying scriptural principles and obeying the statutes, listen to this, is joy. Hey, if you're here, I don't know. I wouldn't think on a Sunday night, but I don't know. I mean, if you're here and you're still writing out your tithe check and you're going, <laughs> you're, you're, you need to get in the Bible and read it because the Bible says it'll rejoice your heart. Hey, it's a blessing to be able to give. And you give and you give and you get and you give and you get and you give. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it rejoices my heart. Amen. Amen. I'm a Baptist preacher. Don't have, I'm not a millionaire. I don't know any millionaires at Heartland. <laughs> but I'm very involved in what my church does financially. I'm very involved in what we do in our missions. And you know what? I'm excited about it. Amen. Why would you be excited about it? Well, I'm reading the Bible. And I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The statue of the Lord of the right, they rejoice the heart. So when you do what God says, you have joy. Stop. This is not even anywhere in the notes tonight. If you don't have any joy, you might not be reading your Bible. Just possibility. 
How about this? The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Oh, watch this. Commandment emphasizes the authoritative binding character of Scripture because God does require certain things from people and He blesses those who comply, but He judges those who do not obey. And they're pure. They're clean. They're sincere. You obey the Bible, God bless you. This is not the ten suggestions. I said that a while ago. Wait, don't you know, Brother Rocky, we live in a day and time when marriage has been redefined? Not by God. By our culture. Yes, our culture. Our world's redefined what family is. Our world's redefined marriage for the first time in 6,000 years of human history. Now we're going to have this. Even the people that were sodomites and, and hundreds and thousands of years ago didn't know what marriage was. But we're more educated. You know why? Because we left the Bible. And when you leave the Bible, listen to me. Look at that last phrase there. The commandments of the Lord, they're pure, enlightening eyes. Listen to this. When you leave the Bible, you go into darkness. Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse number 130, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that the further we go down this course as a country... The further we get away from the Word, and we're already a long way from the Word of God, but the further we get away from the Word of God, the more darkness is going to come into our society. And it didn't used to be that way. Because there was a day where the Word of God was being preached in pulpits, and the pulpits were aflame with righteousness and holy living, but now the Scriptures aren't sufficient, so we don't even need to preach them. I remember it's, it's been about four years ago, if memory serves me correctly, I was preaching up around St. Louis here, and that's where the Methodists uh, was having their conference. I don't know, they have it every two or three years. And they were fussing and debating about, oh, oh, oh we're going to have same-sex marriage or not. And you know why they didn't go with same-sex marriage? Because the preachers from Africa and the Methodist denomination said, that's not what we were taught. You're going a whole different direction. Well, let me tell you something, friend. Once, listen... Once you get off course, once you go down another road, you don't know how far you're going to go. So can I just tell you this? Thank you. There's a, I won't call their names, doesn't matter. Two mega Southern Baptist people out here in the progressive Southern Baptist era of our day are now saying, well, you know what? There's nothing wrong with having homosexuals members of our church because if they love Jesus, that's okay. And if, if two, two men or two women are in a committed relationship and they're homosexual, that's okay. Southern Baptist. Where'd they get that from? They didn't get out of the Bible. They didn't get out of the Bible. How'd they get there? They left the light. And when you leave the light of the word of God, ladies and gentlemen, you go off into darkness. Watch this. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Fear is a synonym for God's word. And the word intends, I should say, to convey and provoke in its hearers the fear of God. If you can read your Bible and not fear God, you're not reading it right. I read my Bible, I'm thinking, whoa. Tell you what I think every day. I'm just telling you, serious. I think every day I get up and read my Bible and think, well, we're still here. We haven't been blown off the map yet. Why do you say that? Because I know how God deals with nations in that book. God bless America. I love that. I'm an American. I love it. I love it. I love it. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. We have been given much light in our past. We have thumbed our nose at God. We have said, we don't care what that Bible says. We'll live our own way. I'm here to tell you, there's no fear of God before their eyes. And people are doing and living how they want to in our day and time without the fear of God. But notice this, the Bible says it's clean, which speaks of the absence of anything that's impure, filthiness, defilement, or imperfections, because God's word alone is perfect. No corruption in it. Mercy. Oh, I wrote this down, so let me go ahead and say it. Corrupt things decay. But God's word doesn't. It's never out of date. It's applicable. It's appropriate. For every age. I really think I'm going to see the Lord come back in my lifetime. I really think that. I think we all ought to think that way if we're thinking biblically. We ought to be looking for him to come back. I think he's going to come back in my lifetime. But if he doesn't come back for 500 more years, 
That Bible will still be the Word of God. And there'll be a small remnant still preaching it somewhere and believing what it says because it's going to endure forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy word shall not pass away. Forever, O Lord, thy word is set unto heaven. I'm telling you, friends, we got something that's going to endure forever. It's the word of God. Watch this. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So judgments are divine verdicts. The eternally supreme judges legal decrees for the life and the eternal destiny of mankind. You want to know how to go to heaven? It's in the Bible. His name is Jesus. That's the only way you're going to go to heaven. And the Bible says they are true because the word of God is always true. It's always true. Psalm 119, 160, thy word is true from the beginning. And notice this, they are righteous altogether, which conveys the idea of comprehensiveness. What does that mean? It simply means this, that God's word contains the truth necessary for genuine spiritual life and it perfectly meets all the spiritual needs of God's people if they'll simply listen to it and obey it. Because here's the thing I want you to see tonight. God's word will change your life if you let it. Man, I tell you, Brother Rocky, oh, me... Me and my wife, husband, or wife saying me and my husband, we're having issues. Uh, you know, the Bible's got an answer for that. It's not Dr. Phil. It's not. Oh, man. Brother Rocky, oh, we're having trouble raising our kids. We don't know how to raise them right. We, we still don't know. We're reading Benjamin Spock. Well, there's your first problem. But the Bible has the answer. I'm just telling you. My, my, mom's, my mom's in heaven now. I'm telling you. She believed what the book said about beating the devil out of you. And I'll tell you. She only had to do it once or twice. Don't, I, I don't know. I haven't seen this. But, but I, I, I've seen this. But not here. One. Now you better come. Two. My mom didn't work that way. She said, you want to go out? She only took me out of church one time. One time. I never wanted to go out any after that. That was, the, that was it. One time was enough. You know why? Because the pain was great. And I watch people, because I'm older now, and I'm watching how, how younger generation raise their kids, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Go back to the book tell you how to raise your kids. It's in the book. I'm not, and please don't misquote me. There's child abuse. No, there's no child abuse. There's padding on the backside, friend. How about this? Oh, Brother Rocky. Our finances are so mixed up. Get in the Bible. Are you tithing? Because God can't bless you if you're a God robber. We can't do that. Oh, Brother Rocky, <laughs> my emotional needs, I'm just about shot. And I'm not making light of anybody's situation, if that's your situation. But I'm here to tell you, what you need is the Word of God. You've got it, because the Word of God has the answer. I believe that. Well, how am I going to be a good church member? How am I going to be a good friend? Go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. Yeah, but how, how am I going to explain the origins of life? Go to the Bible. I mean, you just take your pick tonight. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the supreme virtue of the Word of God is it's got everything you need. Now watch this. I'm going to do this quick. I promise. This is quick. So look at verses 10 down through verse 13. Here's the second point, second truth. Because now David talks about the supreme value of the Word of God. How valuable is it? Well, just watch this. I'll do it quick. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, than the honeycomb. Listen to, listen to me. The word of God is greater than you possessing earthly wealth. Gold is good. Fine gold is better. And much fine gold is best. But the word of God is more valuable than any gold that you could have or any money or any CDs you got. If they still have CDs, they're not much interest. But I'm telling you more to mutual fund. You got the word of God. You've got something you can't put a price tag on. Look at this, last part of verse 10. They're greater than the pleasures in life. The sweetest delicacy in David's day was honey. Nothing 
is enriching and personally meaningful and lasting pleasure as time spent in the Word of God. Mercy. Spending time reading it, studying it, meditating upon the Word of God. Listen to this. Oh, I wrote this down. Listen to this. The lack of resolution for the difficult problems of life is not a result of the Bible's inadequacy. It's a result of people's inadequate study and application of the Bible. That's where the problem's at. I heard a preacher say many years ago, if people fed their bodies like they did their souls, they would have died of malnutrition weeks ago. Because I don't miss a meal. I had a good meal today. Praise God, it was good. But I want to have a good meal every morning when I open up the Word of God. You can do that. You're going to have to purpose to do that. What, watch this. Watch this. It is the greatest protection in verse number 11. Moreover by them as thy servant warned and keep with them there is great reward. Do you understand that the word of God, scripture protects believers in the face of temptation, in the face of sin, in the face of ignorance. The word warned there is to be enlightened. It is to be instructed. And the Bible's brightness helps us to see the dangers that lie before us. Like what? Well, the Bible constrains us to consecrate our life to Christ. Oh, mercy. People say, well, that's what preachers do. Well, yeah, but if you're, if you're a child of God tonight, you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you're supposed to consecrate your life to Jesus Christ. Because he's supposed to be the center of your life. I'm going to run that by you again. Jesus Christ is supposed to be the center of your life. And oh, by the way... I have a job and make a living and pay my bills. And by the way, I play baseball. That's just, that's not my life. My life is Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, I go fishing, but that's not my life. I go hunting. That's not my life. My life is Jesus Christ. You know how you get there? Read the Bible. It really does. It constrains us to live a consecrated life. Listen to this. It also restrains us from the bitterness of sinful living in rebellion. If you just read the Bible, I'm telling you, if you just really think about the Bible, I don't, I, I don't want li- to have happen to me what happened to Korah, number 16. I don't want to be like the people in the, in the Bible that, woo. Hey, one example ought to be good enough for all of us. Listen to this. It proclaims the principles of God's truth for everyday living, mercy. It maintains us in our quest for spiritual maturity. And it sustains us. Don't miss this. The Word of God sustains us when we're going through valleys in our life. Where would I be without my Bible? As a Christian, as a pastor... Mercy, I'm thankful I had a Bible to get me through those valleys. It's what the Word of God will do. When Paul talked about the rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, the last thing he said there, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The words were inspired. They have been preserved. I'm here to tell you that there is comfort in the Word of God. It is the greatest source of protection. It is also the greatest prophet there. Look at the last part of verse number 11. There is great reward. You want to know what great reward is? Read the Bible, meditate on the Bible, obey the Bible, you'll have great success. Oh, you, no, that's not right. You'll have good success, Joshua 1.8. I don't have time to quote it. But I'm telling you, how do you have success? It goes back to a book. The Word of God. And then notice this. We're landed. Watch this. In verse 12 and verse number 13, David said, The Word of God is the greatest purification. Secret faults. Sins we don't plan to commit, but often don't remember to confess. Presumptuous sins. We preached about that a little bit this morning. Arrogant, premeditated ones. We commit when we know better. And David sincerely desired not to have such sins dominate him so that he could be, notice this, upright and innocent from the great transgression. Now listen to this. Here's what David was doing. Don't miss this. David was appealing to God for purity of heart that he might not live in sin because he realized the word of God was the only sufficient safeguard against spiritual disaster. So read verse 14. Look at it. David wanted the Lord to make his words and thoughts biblical. Biblical. 
He wanted to be a man of the word. So you got to think about the word. So let me, let me say this. <clears throat> How are we going to do that? Now I'm thankful to live in 2023. I am. And I bring my Bible to church and I read my Bible every day. But, you know, I'm thankful for the technology too. I'm going to run that by you again. Technology can be an evil thing, but I'm thankful for the good uses you can get out of it. So if I'm by myself, if I'm just by myself, I do this all the time when I'm going from my home to the school and from school to home, almost 99% of the time. You know what I do? I put on the Word of God and listen to it. Why do you do that? Because I think it's a supernatural book. And you'd be surprised, maybe you wouldn't, but I'm surprised how many things that I pick up from just listening to it. Why do you want to listen to, well, I know Rush Limbaugh's dead, but Sean Hannity or anybody else, because they don't have anything biblical to say. They can get your goat and get you mad about stuff, okay. But I'm telling you, the Word of God is what we need to think straight. So because of all the things going on out here in Christianity today and all the current trends, I'm just trying to say to you this here tonight, that they didn't read what Paul said because he said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to Timothy, and that from a child that's known the Holy Scriptures which is able to make thee wise of salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for, for, uh, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So I would doubt if there's anybody here tonight saying, oh man, I just, maybe there is. But I think this might be what we need to think about tonight. Here's what we need to think about. How much time am I spending in that book? I'm asking. If you've went, if you've went uh, we've had the last seven days, if you spent three days, you missed four days. Because this book, it'll keep you from doing wrong. You gotta, you gotta think about it. You gotta put it in your heart and your mind. You gotta meditate. It's the word. It's a supernatural book. And I'm saying to you tonight, you gotta read it consistently over and over and over and over. And I never get tired of reading the word of God. Because every time I read through it, oh man, there's something new. I'm just, I wanna challenge you tonight. If the scripture is sufficient, and it is, then read it. And do more than read it, obey it. Put it into practice in your life. And the difficult issues you find in your life, go to the Word of God. All right, so let me say this, and I'm done. All right, I put the notes up, I'm done, okay? I don't know how many times this has happened. A student will ask me. I had a student several years ago call me and said, Hey, Brother Rocky, he gave this problem, X, Y, Z. I said, I don't know. Let me, let me think about that. About two or three days later, I was reading my Bible. And I came across what he asked me and I called him up and I said, hey, here's the answer to your question. Here's what the Word of God says. Oh, Brother Rocky, that's just exactly what I needed. I didn't have it off the top of my head. But I found it when I was reading my Bible, just reading my Bible through like I normally do. I read from Genesis to Revelation. I try to do that. I did it four times last year. I'm going to try to shoot for five this year. That's just what I'm trying to do for my own personal life. You know why? Because I think I need the Word of God. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Because the Bible is sufficient, I want to encourage you, read it. And make it a priority in your life each and every day. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you.